The Athletic will bring you inside every sports story that matters. And right now you can join for just $1 per month. Get unlimited access to breaking news, in-depth stories, and expert analysis on what's sure to be one of the most enthralling seasons in sports history. The Jets are back, and despite Week's one struggles, there's going to be plenty to talk about with them. You have the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball playoffs are on the way, and so much more. Don't miss exclusive, in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash the Can't Wait podcast, you can receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. Sports are back, and you won't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite team. So go to theathletic.com slash the Can't Wait podcast. Receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. We hope to see you there. Gentlemen, welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. Welcome into another edition of the Can't Wait podcast. The Jets are, well, as bad as we thought they might be. At least for one week, we're going to talk about it. Tim McMaster here, Connor Hughes still in Buffalo um, after a long night at Buffalo Wild Wings and Marissa doing the producing as well. Uh, we'll get to everything about this game. Obviously, Sam Darnold struggling mightily, the play calling from Adam Gase and, and how poorly that was. And the defense wasn't good either. It was an all-around awful attack for the New York Jets as they fall 27-17 to the Bills in week number one. Before the Jets were bad, though, Connor was bad. <laughs> Rough day for Connor on the road. Maybe a good, yeah. it might be good a good thing that for the most part, Connor might not be traveling this year just because of the pandemic. But he did go to Buffalo. Pantsdemic, where he forgot, Where he forgot his pants and then got trapped in an umbrella before a live shot. So lots Dude, to unpack here. Day, man. Connor, are you okay, oh. first of all? I'm okay. I'm good. I'm I'm solid. I'm 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 functioning now. I feel like I'm kind of getting my. You know, we we talked all all like the last few weeks about how if uh, if no preseason and no off season and things like that would would cause some uh, some sloppiness early for the Jets and and I was victim of the sloppiness, man. Like I swear, I the last second call to rent a car here because I actually like I was just gonna Uber and then last second I literally as I was about to get on my flight to Buffalo. I messaged Chris Strauss, my editor, and I was like, shoot, should I get a rental car? I was like, I don't know. Like, I'm not concerned about, like, Uber not sanitizing their Ubers. Like, that Because you just concern. got on an airplane at this point. Because <laughs> you couldn't drive yourself the five and a half hours. Five hours, Marissa. It's a long-ass drive. All right. Okay. It's a long drive. Apparently, my Connor cutoff is like a mini road I'll trip. I'll do, like, D.C. I'll do Philly. I'll do Providence. I'm not fucking... I'm not driving all the way to Buffalo. Like it's a long drive. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, okay. continue. Hecklers aside, this uh, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> um, I like my my concern was like that I would put in a request for an Uber, and I don't know if there are less Ubers around right now, and it would be like your Uber will be here in an hour, and I'm like, holy crap, the game's in 30 minutes, I can't do it. So last second, I rented a car. Thank freaking God that I did because I wake up on game day. Slept in a little bit for it, like the I love Marriott hotels. I I love yeah. God. Marissa Slept through fired. his alarm. Marissa, this is ornery today, man. Uh, so I I slept in a little bit. I was like, all right, I have a TV hit for SNY at like ten. I have to be at the the location for my TV hit at ten fifty a.m. 
So I was like, I checked Google Maps because no fans are going to be there. I can get to Florence or I can get to Orchard Park in like 15 minutes. I was like, all right, sweet. So I'll leave like 930. That'll put me there. Worst case scenario after parking at 10. I'll go in, I'll drop my stuff off. Then I'll come back out and I'll go to where I have to do my TV hit. So I get in the shower, take a nice shower. Super happy because this particular courtyard has the shampoos in the bathroom that aren't the little mini ones, but actually the pumps. And I hate the mini ones because you can never get enough like shampoo and conditioner in your head. See, I don't trust <laughs> the pumps. Yeah, that's the no, no, the like, pumps, give me dude, the package like, shampoo that I'm opening. I don't want the. Oh no, thing. I pump away, man, and like uh, I like lather up, and there's always so much in my hair, and it's so sudsy. I'm like, oh, it's just like I'm home. This is amazing. So I'm having a great day. I'm like singing in the shower, get out, like doing my hair. It's a good hair day. That's another benefit. I was like, man, like. Connor, you looking fine today. Like, this is a good day. You're about to do a TV hit. Football is back. This is awesome, blah, blah, blah. So I get out. I, I get, like, my shirt on, uh, wearing my favorite blazer, wearing my favorite blazer shirt combo with the navy tie. Like, I know I look fire. Like, I don't even need people to tell me. I know I look good. And so I have, like, my pants straps, my pants slash shirt straps, which keep your shirt uh, both taut on camera and, and tucked in. They're like the best things I ever got off Amazon. They're another sponsor that we're going to get eventually. Super Coffee, them, and uh, the other one I was talking about. Oh, uh, um, uh, the Zynga. Zynga's going to be a sponsor. Zynga. Super Coffee and these pant straps. So put my dress socks on, buckle them, get the shirt ready because the shirt tech ties and the pants to the, to the sock. And all of a sudden I go to like reach in my bag and my face just drops and I'm like, holy shit, I forgot pants. I had shorts. I had my pants. My shirt stays. I had my my new boots, the Steve Madden boots. I had everything, but no freaking pants. And I'm like, holy crap. I have no... Am I about to go cover a Jets game in a blazer, shirt, and tie, and cargo... Like, I don't have cargo shorts. They're like khaki shorts. You've and been living khaki, the Zoom like, life too long. Seriously, like, everything's yep. wasted up. I'm like, oh my god. I have no pants. What the hell do I do? So I start panicking. And I'm in Buffalo. I don't know what Buffalo, like does Buffalo have shopping malls? I don't know. Is there a <laughs> Buffalo shopping mall within like five minutes? Am I going to have to go find a tailor? Am I going to have to go to like men's warehouse and spend like $200 on a pair of like pants that I'm going to wear once? So I'm freaking out. I'm panicking. I'm like, wait a minute. You know what? Store has freaking everything. Target. Target has everything. There's got to be targets in Buffalo. Otherwise, I'm going to end up at Walmart. And I'm going to be showing up in like, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't go to Walmart. So I, I Google it. Boom. Perfect luck. 20 minutes to the stadium. 15, 20 minutes to the stadium. Five minutes in the same direction. There's a mother effing target. So I'm like, let's go. So I go into Target. I look at the Did you gym. go into Target with your suit top and your yes. shorts? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Because I was like, I'm going to have to change here. Like, I can't get this. Go back to the hotel. So, yes, I literally went into Target with Steve Madden boots, dress socks, my shirt stay clipped to my dress socks, visible between where my shorts end and my dress socks begin, a dress shirt, and then my I didn't have my blazer on because it was kind of hot. So I had, like, it's just my blazer on button. I did not look fire. I did not look hot. I was a brutal. I'm so, so disappointed into... in Buffalo, the people of Buffalo, for not getting a photo of this. Yeah, oh, you can probably yeah, contact have to call this target secure. Target. Yeah. yeah, pull the journalism card. That we, we're, we're questioning, can we get access Way to request. this? Blah blah blah. Yeah. So I, uh, I go, I go, and I'm looking for. It. I go up to like the pants section. Of course, they don't have any jeans in my size, and the jeans that they do have are like the uh, big ones. 
like the F- I was like, I'm gonna look like I'm wearing like parachute pants if I wear these. So I was like, what else can I have? Because now I'm like really panicking. I was like, I can't wear sweats. They have like dress pants, but I can't get dress pants because it's gonna look like I'm wearing an ill-matching suit. <laughs> so all of a sudden, my eyes, I find chinos, and I'm like, let's go. Because Brie had just said when I was packed, when I was getting ready, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about wearing this combo with my blue jeans. She goes, oh, you could also wear it when your chinos come in because I ordered them for like our engagement shoot or whatever. I was like, she goes, you could have worn those. They're just not here yet. I was like, boom, freaking chinos. They got slim fit chinos. They got them 30 or 34, 34. And I got 32, 34, just in case, you know, the 32s were too tight. I go to go in the dressing room, dressing room's closed. So I was like, what the hell? Just going to have to guess. Bought them, ran into like the bathroom that they have, flipped them on, got dressed, boom, to the game. So you would think that this was like crisis averted, right? Rental car, still getting to it in time. As I'm driving to the stadium, it's pouring rain. So I call the guy who's like producing for us. And I was like, dude, I don't have an umbrella. Like I didn't expect Shocker. it to rain. Connor <laughs> didn't <laughs> check the forecast. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I love how like, Chris is like, dropping all these comments. When I tell Bree this, Bree's like, yeah, figures. Bree's like, totally, <laughs> Bree totally expects all of this to happen. I believe so. I, kn- I know you so well at this point. I did text you something about did you bring a sweatshirt today, Connor? The weather's looking yeah, bad we there. You did. That's actually, when you yeah, responded in the picture yeah. of rain. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did. You actually did do that exactly. And so it's pouring rain, right? Like, I'm like, shit. So I was like, all right, you know what? So the SNY goes, don't worry. We always have extra umbrellas. Like, it's the big one. Because my umbrella also isn't all that big. It was, it's got the SNY logo on. It'll look great when you're holding it. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm driving. As I get to the stadium, the rain stops. Straight up stops. I'm like, oh. I guess it was just a rain shower. Like, it's no big deal. So I parked my car, and where I have to get from my car to the uh, to the to where we're doing the shoot because of the pandemic, you can't only go to certain places. It's like probably 200-yard difference. I'm like, well, it just stopped raining. I'm perfectly fine. Get out of my car, grab my coffee, grab my, my computer bag. Walking up like, oh, today's a good day. We saved it. You know, oh, this would be a good story to tell on the podcast, how I forgot my pants. And I get... 50 yards into this walk, 150 yards to go. And these skies open up like the weather gods were pissed off at me, man. And it just starts pouring. And I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? So I try to put like my computer bag over top. And also I'm like, this is a leather computer bag and my computer's in here. I can't do that. So I'm hiding it. I'm getting soaked. I'm now running through the Buffalo parking lot like this with my computer under I get to the camera, the cameraman, the guy looks at me and goes, oh my God, you don't have an umbrella. I was like, no, I don't have an umbrella. So he gives me an umbrella. I put it over my head. I'm soaking. I can tweet out the picture because I sent it to you guys where I am literally in my blazer. My hair looks like a wet dog. I am soaked. Like my- Get my, your mask on though. Good, I do have my mask on, which, so at least my- yeah, I'm, so, yeah, I'm glad exactly. you remembered your mask. Again. Oh man, well, I have to, I remember that now everywhere. That's my, that's my rotation is a phone, pocket, keys, mask. So pam, I'm like- nah. Pam, F that. We don't need the pants. There's targets everywhere. I'll just stop and get them there. Pants on the road. I'm like Alan Iverson. I just buy my wardrobe there. So I, uh, so finally, like I get my, I, I'm soaking wet. I, I'm holding an umbrella. Finally, the rain kind of stops. And so the guy who's doing the camera work goes, he goes, if you want to put the umbrella down, you can now. And I was like, man, I was like, I'll be honest with you. We're about to do that. It's like 1158 or 1058 now. I was like, we're about to do this hit at 11. All I know with my luck, I'm putting this umbrella down. And as soon as I put this umbrella down, it's going to rain again. And then I'm going to be fumbling to get the umbrella back up. It's windy as all hell. I'm not going to risk it. So he goes, okay, that's fine. You can just hold it. It looks fine anyway. 
get on it. Janae Coakley, who's the the Jets insider for SNY, comes on. She starts talking to me in my earpiece, and she goes like, "How's it going?" And I'm like, the wind starts picking up. Sure enough, and the video is on Twitter now. The umbrella, there's a massive gust right as I start talking, and the umbrella goes inside out, nearly takes me away with it. And all of a sudden, I'm trying to hold up an umbrella, a massive umbrella that's now unflowing with a microphone and bring everything back together. The camera guy comes running over to try to help me to make sure I don't fall over. And all went to hell. It all went to hell. It's, it was honestly like just the morning from hell. And what's amazing about it is it's still not as bad as what happened to the Jets in the first quarter on Sunday. But that was the, the beginning portion of my first rookie. It was all, there was, it was rusty. It was ugly. It was, uh, it was, it was pretty brutal. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Between no pant gate, getting absolutely soaking wet before I even get to the stadium, doing a TV hit looking like a wet dog, and then having my umbrella enclosed on my head. Was, and uh, then the game that you had to watch. Yeah, and then you had then to watch had the to Jets. Watch so I think yes. we should get to that because yeah, let's get into that. there's and a, a and lot a sh- to break down. Yeah, shout out to Gene Coakley for making sure that that video got yes. to Twitter yesterday yes. too. Absolutely. Very grateful for that. All right, so yeah. there's a lot to get to with this football game, obviously. But let's start with the quarterback play. I think that that's where we should focus at least to start. That's where you wrote your story on after the game, Connor, mm-hmm. was just how bad Sam Darnold was because – it's true. There's been plenty of excuses, right? He was a first-year quarterback. They make mistakes. Year two, he had mono and missed time, and the team never really got on track. This is year three, and sure, there was no preseason, so there are other excuses we can use. But this wasn't like a, a young quarterback that made a couple of mistakes. From the beginning of this game to the end, Sam Darnold was just a bad quarterback in my mind. 21 of 35, 215, a touchdown, a pick where the numbers, those don't tell the story because a lot of that yardage came late in the game. Um, But, you know, he missed receivers early in the game that could have kept drives going. He made bad decisions, throwing interceptions when he probably could have run for a first down in the second quarter. Third, another play that stands out that we can get into, running towards the sideline doesn't throw the ball away. I mean, from start to finish, Connor, this just looked like a quarterback that's not a NFL starter. Yeah, I mean, that's that's harsh, but it's, it's actually accurate. I mean, this was, look, Sam, Sam's had bad games before, and I think the he'll never play worse than what he did against the Ghost game, you know, against yeah. against the Patriots. And, and, I mean, what he did in that game against the Patriots was just, brutal i mean it was literally the guys throwing into the end zone where three defenders are there and and an interception i mean what what i chalk that patriot came up to was like a complete and total mental breakdown like he just completely enclosed in on himself and was like you'll never see anything like that it's almost an anomaly this game that he played against the bills though in my opinion was the worst quarterbacked game that he's played because if Sam plays a good game on Sunday, there's actually a chance the Jets win the game. Like when they were in it, 11 points, third quarter, 21, 10, if Sam Darnold's playing, like we've kind of seen Sam Darnold play before when he plays well, I think the Jets have a legitimate chance of winning this game. Sam Darnold gave them no chance under center. I mean, this was probably The first time in his career since I've watched him, and I've watched every snap of this guy's career, this is the first time that I have seen him just miss guys. Like, the first drive, he's got Crowder open on and out for a first down to move the sticks. He shoots wide of him. 
that's a first down that's just taken off the board. If the Jets get a first down there, suddenly you don't know what happens. The ball starts moving. The Bills defense gets a little tired. They might put points on the scoreboard. A couple possessions later, Rashad Perryman open on the sideline, deep out for a first down and third down. Sam Darnold sails it way over his head. That's a play that he's got to make. Later on in the game, perfect protection, perfect pocket, lane to throw to Chris Hogan on third down for a big deep in when the Jets are still in this game. They've managed to claw fight back in. The Bills haven't put the nail in the coffin. They've got a chance. He sails the ball so far over Chris Hogan's head that Chris Hogan doesn't even give it a chance to jump because it's not worth it. That's how high it is. Those are all plays that if Darnold makes them, you're moving the sticks, you're getting a first down, you don't know what's going to end up happening. You then take those accuracy issues, those bad throws, that just crappy quarterback play, and you add it to what I believe is the most egregious and alarming thing that Sam Darnold did on Sunday. And it was that the boneheaded rookie mistakes that have been part of his game his first year and his second year. Those years where you're like, all right, as much as Sam Darnold will flash, he'll do something good. He makes those one or two decisions a game where you're like, what the hell was that guy thinking? Sometimes it costs the Jets. Sometimes the defense doesn't make the play, so it doesn't cost the Jets. He was making them again in year three. These are plays that are supposed to be extinct from his game now, and they're not. That interception, he's flushed outside the pocket, he's moving across his body, and he decides to throw off his back foot a jump ball to a receiver who's 5'9". And I thought he could like, have run Jameson for the first Crowder's down Like, Jameson Crowder's as tall too. as Marissa. It's like throwing a jump <laughs> ball to Marissa. That's literally what... what and, and seriously, I've seen Jameson Crowder jump. Marissa might out-jump him, too. Like, he's not like a, a go-get-it, high-point-the-ball type guy. That's not what Jameson Crowder does. And Sam Darner's throwing across his body, off his back foot into double coverage, a jump ball to Jamison Crowder. That's a risky throw if it's Plaxico Burris out there. That's a risky throw if it's Calvin Johnson out there, and he's just taking a chance. It's intercepted. The Jets are lucky that didn't put him in, what, a 28-3 hole, 28 nothing hole, because then Josh Allen fumbled at the seven-yard line. You then take that, and you go back to the play where he runs out of bounds. The guy, like, what do you, that's a Geno Smith play, dude. I've seen Geno Smith do that. He did it against the Raiders when he took over for Fitz when Fitz hurt his thumb. That's the play that Geno Smith made where I said, Geno Smith's never going to be an NFL quarterback because he's in year 3-4 and he's still making those same dumb mistakes where he's rolling out to the pocket. All he has to do is this, put the ball out of bounds at second and 10. Instead, he runs out of bounds. When It's not like he was fighting for somebody to get open. I was right behind Darnold when that play was happening, where our press box was. There's no one open for him to throw the ball. It was clear no one was going to be open for him to throw the ball once he started getting out to the sideline. So I was like, okay, maybe he's going to try to run forward and pick up a few yards. He kept running lateral to the line of scrimmage. It's like, dude, throw the ball away. Throw the ball away. Throw the ball away. He never so much as flips it. If he flips it out of bounds, it's second and 10. Next play, the Jets second and 15, which is a criticism of Adam Gase, is he runs Frank Warren a draw. They get bailed out by the penalty, but then Chris Herndon fumbles. Then you also go to the miscommunication. Like, that's two. The interception, horrible. That running out of bounds, that's Geno Smithian. That's horrible. Then... You go back and you look at the the delay of game that he takes off of a kickoff. And you yeah. can blame, I guess, sometimes the play call coming in and, and you know, Sam Darnold shouldered the blame and then Adam Gase shouldered the blame. And it seems like everyone's trying to not put the blame on a delay of game off a kickoff, a kickoff that sailed out of the back of the end zone. You guys are all on the sideline like you, you just had your defense on the field like you're, you have the play call. Then how do you have a delay of game in that situation? Like these are three penalties like the. 
if you want to, Sam Darnold's never going to be the most accurate quarterback in the world because his fundamentals are never going to be perfect. That's just how he plays the game. But you can maybe chalk up those first half off throws, which were bad. But you can say like, you know what? No OTAs, no mini camp, a condensed training camp, and he didn't practice at all with starting receivers. There's going to be some rust. So it's like, okay, timing was a little off. But that interception, that running out of bounds, that delay game penalty, like I said, man, those are plays that are supposed to be extinct from Sam Darnold's game right now. And the fact that he is still making those problems in, or making those mistakes in year three, that's a huge concern. And, and, and look, you can't, the, the Jets offensive line was better, but not great. The receivers outside of Jamison Crowder did absolutely nothing. Adam Gase, again, failed to adequately prepare this team for, for success. I mean, all of these things are an issue. The defense, as I wrote in my, my story off the game yesterday, defense broke down in inopportune times. The penalties were back. Like the, the Jets, they, there were more problems than just Sam Darnold on the field. But the fact that we're still talking about Sam Darnold being a problem in year three is a massive concern. This is supposed to be the year where Sam Darnold puts the team on his back, wills them to a victory, and carries them to victory, elevates the play of those around him. He needs to be the solution. He can't be the problem. And right now, he's more problem than solution because those accuracy issues are a problem and those dumb mistakes he's making are a huge problem. They should not be what he's doing at this point in his career. He just should. And the fact that he still is, that's a massive red flag. And, and anyone overlooking it needs, to, needs a serious reality check. Yeah, it was just bad. And, and it was... You know, against the Patriots, and the Bills' defense is good, but against the Patriots, the whole ghost comment and all of that, he seemed confused, and you could kind of blame it on the fact that he was coming back from, you know, things, and he wasn't quite himself. But this, you know, there's no real excuse here, and, and we'll see how it goes forward. Again, we can't – it is game one. There was no preseason. So if he turns this around, great, and maybe there's the potential that can happen. But uh, we've got to talk about the fact that he was as bad as he was. So you talk about the weapons – and obviously the receivers, you know, what you said. But then you look in the backfield. Frank Gore at times gave you what you expect, right? He runs forward. He gives you positive yardage. Levy and Bell wasn't good, had the good reception, but then he gets hurt again, and it's the hamstring. And that's a mess, too, because Levy and Bell didn't look good, despite being in the best shape oh, of his career like and everything we talked about. Go ahead. That's what you look like all of camp, everybody. This is what I've been freaking saying. And when everyone is sitting here telling me, oh, no, it's Le'Veon Bell. It's all pro Le'Veon Bell. This is what I'm freaking trying to tell you. Like, this is what I've been tweeting and I've been writing. And this is says somebody who has watched this dude every day in training camp saying, like, yo, he doesn't look like Le'Veon Bell. Case in point, everybody. Like, this is why I keep saying Frank Gore is the most productive back at camp. Frank Gore is not a better player than Le'Veon Bell. In no world have I ever said that. He can't do what Le'Veon Bell can do physically. He can't do what Le'Veon Bell can do in the passing game. He's probably as good as Le'Veon Bell is in, in pass blocking, but that's a feather in both their caps. Like, they're both tremendous pass blockers. Like, that's what we've been saying. But, like, what you saw Sunday, yesterday against the Bills, like, that's what Le'Veon Bell has been throughout camp. And this is why I've been saying Frank Gore is the more productive guy. Frank Gore gets the ball, he finds a hole, and he gets downhill. Is he going to break 20, 30, 40, 50, 60? No, he's not. But he's going to get three, he's going to get four, and on his good ones, he'll get five, six, maybe ten. You know what that does? It sets the Jets open 
that's that's the Jets up with a second and seven, second and six, second and five, second and four. Suddenly that opens up more of the playbook. Second down, they can run again. They get two more. Suddenly it's short. It's third and short. They can throw a throw, but they're still looking at shorter marker sticks. What Le'Veon Bell does when he gets the ball is he gets the ball, he starts dancing. And he thinks this is Pittsburgh, and he thinks Antonio Brown split wide, and he thinks that because there's only six or seven guys in front of him, if he dances around long enough, eventually the hole is going to open up. That doesn't work with this Jets team. Nobody gives a shit that Brashad Perryman split wide. No one fears Chris Hogan. Like, they're not nervous about these wide receivers, so they are loading the box and run blitzing. So as Le'Veon Bell does his little pitter-pattering dancing in the backfield, He's not waiting for a hole to open up. He's just opening the door for the defense to surround him and bring him down, which is what drives Adam Gase nuts because he said this to Le'Veon Bell over and over last year that like, look, we don't need the home run. We need positive yards. Don't need the home run. We need positive yards. Bell started getting to that point last year. You saw it a little bit in the, in the Steeler game. You saw it a little bit when he played the Ravens. Like you saw him start to get to that, get the ball, get downhill, get the ball, get downhill. And that's when the Jets also started winning this week. Against the Bills, we saw him just go right back. Like, there was a run where Frank Gore got the ball and went downhill for, like, four yards, I think. It was like he picked up, like, four yards, like one of his first carries with the Jets. Boom, got the ball four yards down the field. Decent run, right? Like, sets the Jets up now second and six. If it's third and six, third and six is still kind of long. But second and six opens up a lot because you can have your your pattern well beyond the sticks. You can have a pattern beyond the sticks, and you can have something – shorter that if those two aren't open you can just dump it down and still get positive yards set yourself up second and three second and two something like that Le'Veon Bell gets the carry and just starts dancing and goes down for a three-yard loss and now the Jets which were the Jets who were looking at a second and six are now looking at a third and nine and it's like this is what I mean when I say that Frank Gore is a better back for the Jets right now because there's no BS with his running style he gets the ball he gets downhill he picks up positive yards Gets the ball, gets downhill, picks up positive yards. You started seeing that a little bit from Bell now. Again, before he got hurt, his like last two carries went for three and seven. And if you watch the film, those were two carries where he got the ball and just went. Got the ball and just went and you saw it start working. But as Bell then does that, he goes back to dancing. And it just doesn't make any sense. And the one criticism that I'll have that I'll go back to Adam Gase is that while Bell's dancing running style is not making him effective as a running back, he should now be used still in the passing game. Like, you should still be having him split wide. I think the only real time that I saw Bell get super involved in the passing game, the Jets connected on him for a long gain uh, on the on the, on the the field goal drive that they had at the end of the first half where he got open, made a really nice catch. It was probably the highlight of the game outside of Crowder's 69-yard score. And then there was another one where Bell actually had a chance to break a touchdown, and instead he drew, like, a defensive pass interference or defensive holding because – the defender, the linebacker realized, holy crap, he's running by me and just basically held on to Bell for dear life and knocked him to the ground. Gase should realize that Bell's, the biggest impact Bell's going to have on this team this year is not going to be as a runner, it's going to be as a receiver. They need to get him more involved in the passing game. But as a runner, like this was just a microcosm of what we have seen every single damn practice of training camp. Like Bell gets the abundance of the carries, but when Frank Gore comes in, Frank Gore is more productive. And I don't think that the Jets are a better team without Bell because I think that the perfect situation here is having Frank Gore in the backfield, Bell split wide in some capacity, or like the Jets open the game with both Gore and Bell in the backfield. I think that can create matchup problems. And now it's just a matter of, of when Le'Veon Bell is going to be back. And, and we'll talk to Adam Gates today via conference call uh, like we do after every single Jets game. And uh, I'm sure he'll provide some form of an update on, on just how long Bell is going to be out. 
Yeah, and using Bell split wide, like you said, not on bubble screens on second and long, which is a ongoing yeah. rant from Jets fans, the way they yeah. uh, used oh. him on the screen, in the screen game. Um, all right, we were, we we're going to get to Adam Gase. He's certainly not going to escape this podcast after his performance on Sunday. But before that, we want to talk about Fubo TV. Um, you know, this is a, a TV product, a streaming product, if you've cut the cord, um, that you definitely have to check out. And if you haven't cut the cord, consider Fubo TV as your uh, path to doing that. The standard base option gives you two screens at once. If you get the family plan, you can watch up to three different programs on three screens at once. And thanks to this offer with The Athletic, you can save 15% off your first month. Along with Fubo TV, you get 30 hours of DVR cloud so you can record all your shows in the cloud. You also get your local broadcast channel. So you're not going to miss out on your favorite program on ABC, CBS, NBC, or, or the games that are on those channels as well. Um, these are tough times for a lot of people. That's why they're offering $50 for that first month with 15% off. And you get NBC Sports included on the national feed. With the NFL season around the corner, Fubo.tv will not disappoint. Stay updated on your favorite teams as well as local broadcast news. Go to FuboTV.com slash athletic today and get 15% off your first month. You won't regret it. That's FuboTV.com slash athletic. Start your first month today. And we also have a word from Liquid IV. This is the Athletic Shield Kapadia here to tell you about Liquid IV. Nobody likes to feel dehydrated. Maybe you get a little bit of a headache, dry mouth. You just don't feel like yourself. But believe it or not, dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. Connor, I'm not sure how we allowed somebody from the Birds with Friends I was podcast about to, to infiltrate infiltrate the Can't Wait podcast. Um, I'm doing. I'm gonna do some reads. Hey, send me some reads. I'm that's our, them on the that's our national writer, Sheila Kapadia. He's got some BS. He's a Birds with Friends phony. <laughs> He's got Birds with Friends bum. So I do love. I do love Sheila. He's amazing. He's yeah. also one of the nicest people I've ever met. Yeah. Like he's one of those guys, unlike Bo, fabulous he's one of the guys that, <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> Bo's a great guy too. But yeah. I will always give Bo credit for like that guy's stories that he comes up with are so unorthodox, yeah. but they're, oh, yeah. he's just, he's so interesting. I love the guy. Uh, yeah. But Shield hey, the uh, Eagles. Shield's like one of those guys where you meet and you're like, I like, I want like, I like, literally you talk to Shield once and you're like, you want to be my best man. Like, it's just like <laughs> one of those guys, he's got one of those personalities that you just like him. 
podcasting though. The Eagles had a had a worse day than the Jets yesterday, I think. So. Oh my God! Yeah, you think Carson Wentz? I gotta stop making that comparison as somebody that like turned it on in 2016 or after that uh, the 16 draft, right? I think it was when he was taken. Yeah. I gotta stop making that one. I keep saying like, oh, like Carson Wentz, like Carson Carson Wentz, bad man. Mm -hmm. That dude looks like. Yeah, and I know, like, you can only do so much with an offensive line. I did cover the Jets last year, but, like, holy yeah. crap. Wentz don't yeah. look good. Yeah. yeah. Not not good times in Philadelphia. And not good times with the New York Jets. All right, let's get back to this team, and, and let's, um, let's talk about the head coaching position now. Because, Connor, I mean, honestly, coming out of that game, I got the feeling, and I think I sent uh, Marissa a slack and said, I don't think it's too soon to actually at least mention in the podcast that – Adam Gase might not make it through the season. Um, it probably is a little too soon, but I'm mentioning it anyway. Um, if the bye week wasn't week 11, I would be even more concerned because that's when teams like to make those moves. But because the bye week is so late, Adam Gase is probably going to get through a lot of this. But the offense was unimaginative, I think is the word I'm going to use. It's just, you know, for a guy that came in as this guy who can work with quarterbacks and is an offensive whiz, Nothing they do gets you excited when you watch them play offense. And then there was the mistakes as well. Just kind of sum up Adam Gase for us. How much time you got? Uh, <laughs> no, they uh, look. You guys, um, like I, I, I was fine building in the excuses for Gase last year. Like, and I know people ripped him, and I know people hated him, and I think a lot of that had to do with with some of the uh, agenda driven stories that that were out there about Gase that kind of just added fuel to the fire, but. You know, I, look, there, there's only so much you can do when the Jets had the roster issues that they had last year and the offensive line issues last year and then when they lost Sam Darnold for a month. And once they got Sam Darnold back and he finally kicked the 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 um, the um symptoms of mono, you saw the Jets win six of their final eight games. Can't excuse that that Bengal, the Bengal loss. But again, like, even the best teams have hiccups. And, and they were not ready to play. That was a terrible loss. They never should have lost. But again, it's like, it's a hiccup. They still finished the season six and eight. What I saw on the field this week, man. And like, I, I find, I, I, I was the one who asked the question to Gase in the press conference. I was like, man, it's like the same issues and stuff that went wrong for the Jets last year. How was it again happening this year? And he quickly, I mean, he shot that down immediately for obvious reasons. He was like, no, it's not the same problems. It's different it, different things. It's not the same problems. They were completely, I think, the same. Thing, I think it's worked. <laughs> yeah. He said it was completely different stuff. But like, dude, I, I think the thing, I said this in, I, I think I might have tweeted this or I said it to somebody I was sitting next to in the press conference or in the press box. But like, I, when now in the current day and age, I have Twitter open when I'm covering a game and highlights from around the league people are constantly tweeting and you see them. And in the middle of a game, I'll watch them. You're like, I'll see like, oh, what did Russell Wilson just do? Oh, what did Deshaun Watson just do? Oh, what did Joe Burrow just do? Oh, what did they? And you click there and you look at him and you watch him. I, I watch these offensive highlights from other teams and it's like they're playing a different sport than the Jets. And like I gave Gase like a lot of leeway last year and and i thought it was warranted like i thought like again they had issues but like it doesn't make sense like how many times are they gonna run the ball on second and 10 like i understand gase's thinking when it's third and 12 third and 13 and he runs a draw and i know jet fans aren't gonna want to hear it but the math tells you that there's like a 12 percent chance of of that play being successful or it might be even less i think it's actually a seven percent chance 
of that play being successful in third and 12 and third and 13 in terms of, of getting a first down. So the thought process behind running the ball on a third and 12, third and 13, when you have the leader, when you're in a tight game, is you're playing the field position battle. Is that you're running the ball, you're picking up hopefully five, six yards, and then you're punting the ball. Defense gets a stop. You now get the ball back plus 20, plus 30 yards from where you were previously. Like that's the thought process. A second and 10 run when you can't run the ball is just setting you up for second and 10, second and eight. Like when the Jets came out and they ran after the Sam, after Sam Darnold egregiously ran out of bounds on and for to set up a second and 15 on that play we were talking about earlier. When the Jets did that and then they ran a draw with Frank Gore on second and 15 and 11 point game, what are you hoping to get from that? What do you like? What are you four yards? Five? It's Frank Gore. It's like he's going to break it like even if you put josh adams in i'd understand it a little bit more but like the most frank Gore is going to give you is like five or six which means you're setting up third and nine why not drop back and try to go for like eight yards like give a look deep but then have somebody intermediate if that's not there then check it down and then get those same three a draw play is basically like and it didn't work i know frank Gore got called for a penalty so the jets got a free first down but like that was going to be third and fifteen, and then now you're done. You're you're not picking up third and fifteen, barring a defensive penalty. Like that decision makes no sense. Now the one that everyone is getting on Gase about is the the scre- the middle screen to Crowder at the end of the first half. That wasn't Gase. That was Sam Darnold. That was Sam Darnold. I think overthinking the situation. It was his like he kind of made the adjustment to that play and then threw it to Crowder. Like that wasn't Gase. That one was Darnold. Like that. So you can take that out. That that's not a Gase criticism. That was that one was on Sam. Um, but like, like I said, you watch these other plays and these other offenses, there's creativity, there's funkiness. There's something where you're like, I haven't seen that before. And then you watch the jets and it's at times it's, it's like, they're just like randomly running plays where you're like, it's not working and there's no creativity and there's no excitement. There's no, it's like, this is like a very boring offense. And this is supposed to be an offensive-minded guy, you know, like coaching football where it's going. And and maybe it was just early criticism. And maybe it was because the Jets couldn't get any first downs. The Gase couldn't open up the playbook. But, like, something's got to change, man. Like, we talked and Gase talked all offseason about Chris Herndon, right? Talked all offseason about Chris Herndon, how he's how he can't – he's so excited. He's a unicorn. Can't wait to get him back. He can do 17 different things. I didn't see Chris Herndon targeted once down the seam. Like, why not take a shot to the big-body guy down the seam? You talk about how you don't have receivers, but you have tight ends. Where the hell is Ryan Griffin? Like, did Ryan Griffin play? I didn't see him. Like, wh- where is the creativity? Where's something unorthodox? Where's something different? Where's something that an offensive guru throws out there, right? Like, I watched the Rams-Cowboys yesterday. Mike McCarthy looked like trash. So if you think Mike McCarthy was going to come and save the Jets, watch that first Cowboys game, and that dude would have been getting fired before Adam Gase. Let me tell you. I mean, holy cow. That dude had a third, he had a third and six, runs a draw to then go for it on fourth and three, down three points at like the 12-yard line. Like, that's some bad play calling. Like, I've seen some bad play. I've seen, I covered Jeremy Bates, man. I've seen some bad play calling. What Mike McCarthy did was even worse. Like, that was, whoo! Like, I don't know what he did. I don't, I don't know what he did, like, for that year he took off. Maybe he was off on an island with Ricky Williams. Like, I don't know, my smoking, you know, like, I don't know. Because if he came back with that idea, scrap it. Scrap it all. Scrap everything. But, like, seriously, like, you watch Sean McVay, though. And you watch what that Rams offense does and you can see all these different concepts that are getting guys open. And like, I know the Jets don't have Cooper Cup. They don't have Robert Woods. They don't have uh, the guys that the Rams have at their disposal. 
But, like, you just want to see more. Like, Rashad Perryman can stretch the field. Why did you never take a shot to Rashad Perryman? Chris Hogan's known as a guy that can get deep. Why not take the shot deep to Chris Hogan? Jamison Crowder was obviously what you expect from Jamison Crowder. But, like I said, you got Chris Herndon. Why isn't Chris Herndon on the scene? Like, this Jets offense is just, it's so maddening boring. If that's, if you even combine those two words, I just did, screw it. But, like, that's, it's, like, so maddening because of how boring it is. And, like, I don't. No, like I you talk to Gase and you hear him and he, and he explains things to you. You're like, oh, I guess that makes sense. But then you go and you watch the game and you're like, it's not freaking working. Like, that's the big thing is like, this isn't working and, and something needs to change because you got the 49ers next week. And it didn't work for basically 16, I would say 15 weeks last year. This did not work with the exception being the Cowboys because the Cowboys game was the one game and maybe the Raiders where the Jets' offense really lit it up. And you were like, wow, there's some creativity. They're running trick plays. They're going deep. They're moving the ball. They're getting yards. Like Cowboys, Raiders. Those were two games where I was like, okay, their offense looks pretty good. At no point was I was like, this offense is humming. This offense is raring. Like, I've never seen it. And if I didn't see it at all last year, and you don't see it again after the the opening summer where Sam Darnold's more comfortable. Sam Darnold's going to take the leap. Sam Darnold's in year two. Adam Gase is in year two. This is going to be great. You don't see it again. It's like... What the like? What the hell, man? Like, it's just it's just boring. And if it didn't work last year and it didn't work this year, like something has to change. And I don't know why it hasn't. And maybe Adam Gase is, and I'm just not noticing it. But like, it's almost like he just can. It's like the the whole sign of insane, like trying to do the same things. It's like I know it's gonna work because it's my scheme, and I'm gonna keep and try and try and try and try and try, and eventually it's gonna work. Well, no, it's not. And now, the one thing that I will give the Jets a little slack for is that. I do believe the Bills are a very good team. Like, I think the Bills, if Josh Allen comes together, you're talking about a team that, that I, I believe has a chance to win like 11, 12 games. Like, they're going to be really good this year. I think it's going to be, they're going to clearly win the AFC East. And again, depending on Josh Allen's maturation, they have a chance to to potentially make a legitimate run and a deep run in the playoffs. Like, I think the Bills are that good. The Jets are nowhere near their realm. The 49ers next week, another team. Holy cow. Like, I can't wait to see Bosa just go up against Becton and fight. Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Um, but like when they get to play the Colts and then they get to play the Broncos, those are like the two games. Like if the Jets lose to the 49ers next week and it looks ugly again, it's like, again, you, you want to see more, you hope they compete, but it's like, you kind of can say like, I get why they lost here. I get why they lost the 49ers. But if it's still the same offensive funk in against the Colts against the Broncos, it's like, Dude, something has to change. Now, where I disagree is I do not believe Christopher Johnson will ever be pushed to a point where he fires Adam Gase in season. But if this is like what you're going to deal with for the next 17 weeks, man, look, in most weeks, I'm traveling to games, right? So like I'm here. I don't have any other option. I don't know how the hell I'm not going to be sitting at home if I'm no longer on the road because of this pandemic and I don't flip the channel because there were point last like yesterday where I was like, this is so terrible. And like I don't know how Jet fans put themselves through that misery because that was that. Although we very much appreciate it here, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch us, watch us. Like you can get the game, we'll just come tell you what happened. But like I, I like I don't like the offense was boring. The decision making from the offense was questionable, and I didn't get it. There was no creativity. There was no excitement. Sam Darnold looked bad. Adam Gase looked bad. It was just like. What the hell, man? Like, this is supposed to be an offensive-minded quarterback guru, and I just don't see it. And I'm not ready to write him off yet because, like I said, the Bills are a very good team. The Jets are not. Same thing next week. 49ers are a very good team. The Jets are not. But if this stuff continues against the Colts, who are a solid team but not great, 
and continues against the Broncos, who are an okay team, but not great. Like, come on, man. Like, you watch the Dolphins, and the Dolphins are more creative than the Jets. Like, I don't even know who the Dolphins' offensive coordinator is. Like, you watch any other team, they're more creative than the Jets. Watch the Giants and Daniel Jones tonight. I bet you they're more creative than Jets. And I just don't get it. Like, I, I get the excuses last year. I don't understand how those excuses last year are still the same damn excuses this year. And I was willing to believe them last year. I was willing to give Gates the benefit of the doubt. But it's getting hard for, for me to even say, like, go for it. Like, it's, I, don't, I don't know. You asked, you asked a couple podcasts ago, Tim. I got asked when I did a radio hit on, on WFAN, too. Like, what do Jet fans have to feel optimistic about? I don't know. Like, Marcus hell if Mann. I know. Marcus Braden Mann looked okay. Like, Braden Mann has a big leg and no hang time. I guess, yeah, you can build on that. Marcus May. Yes. Yeah. Marcus May. Be happy about that until he packs his bags and goes to Seattle with Jamal and says, <laughs> peace, I'm out. Like, seriously. You saw Jamal having the time of his life out there in Seattle. Like, I mean, I don't get, like, the criticism on Gase is warranted. Like I said, I'm not willing to, to write him off as, like, Oh, he screwed. The Jets are terrible. Fire him right away because they did play a team I think is going to be very good. Same thing for when they play 49ers next week. But if this continues after a month, man, like I don't, I don't, I know sometimes, like he's, I've talked to him and he's explained things to me for like how certain things work. But like I finally, like I said, I asked him on the conference call yesterday and it was as pointed as I could have been, which is that the same shit that was basically going wrong in 2019 just went wrong again in 2020. And I was trying to get to why, and he cut me off and said, it's completely different. And I'll watch the film uh, when we get off and I, I'm going to write a, an X additional observation story, but like I watched the film, but it was the same crap other than like Sam Darnold missing throws. He doesn't usually make, okay. You can chalk that up to why the first half stunk second half, man. The only thing they hit was a 69 yard screen. Sam throw for 215 yards, right? That was his final stat line. Yep. Take 70 off of it from one play. He's under 200 yards passing, man. 200. He's under 200 yards. Like, in a game they were down three touchdowns after the first quarter and were throwing the ball. A game where they couldn't run it. Like, where's it's just, it's not working. It's not working. And I remember like talking to people. This is the last point I'm gonna make on the Gase thing. Is I remember like talking to people from Miami after they had hired Gase and talking to them about like because I didn't understand the Gase hiring at first and being like, where is it? gonna get better like why do you think he'll be successful in his second stint when he didn't take a year off like most coaches when they get fired off the first run they take a year off and then they come back like why he didn't Gase literally got fired from the Dolphins after two subpar years and the Jets hired him and I was I was like well maybe something changed and uh I think I was talking to Chris Perkins who used to cover the Dolphins for us and he had said like well if he learns from his scheme can work he just needs to not be so stuck in his own ways and be willing to open up his mind and see different things. And what he compared it to was the Dolph the first year when the Dolphins rode Jay Ajayi to the playoffs. Gase was, he wanted to come in and throw the ball 90 times a game with Ryan Tannehill. He realized after some injuries and stuff like that, they couldn't do it. So he started feeding the rock to Jay Ajayi. They had that three-headed rushing attack aside from just Ajayi. And the Dolphins went crazy down the end of the stretch and they made the playoffs. He goes, he adjusted his mindset to be more run-oriented, did what was best for the offense, and, th and they made the playoffs. Next two years, they went back to pass-happy Dolphins. The Dolphins weren't good, even when they had Cutler, and then when Tannehill came back and Tannehill got hurt. So, pass-happy Dolphins, they lose games. He goes, he needs to be willing to see his roster and adjust, and adjust from what he wants to do to do what is best for the team. I have not seen that yet from the Jets. The same problems that plagued Adam Gase in Miami, they're plaguing Adam Gase right now with the Jets. And I, I do I think it's going to get better? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to get better. I, I'm not willing to say it's not going to get better after a loss to the Bills and a 
eventual loss to the 49ers. But if this, like I said, against Colts, against Broncos, that's when I'd be willing to write the the obituary of this just, it's not working. It's over. It doesn't work. Start thinking about who you're going to bring in for next year. All right. Well, you mentioned Marcus May, and we're going to get to the defense and some of the positives of the game. But first, a message from DraftKings. It sure was nice seeing the teams back out on the gridiron over the weekend. Lucky for us, that was just week one. There's no better place to get in all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of week two, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back this can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head over to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. That's right. You place a $1 bet on any team, and if that team wins, you cash a cool Benjamin. How could you pass up on that? If you're new to DraftKings Sportsbook, head to the app now to scout their latest offers. Bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, a sportsbook that goes wherever you go. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code QUICK when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during week two, bet $1 on them to win, and win $100 if they do win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use the promo code QUICK during sign-up. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only, eligibility and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's talk about the defense. Um, we'll get to the positive, which was Marcus May, but there was plenty of negative too. One of that is is Josh Allen's stat line, 33 of 46, 312 yards, uh, the two touchdowns, the inter- the no interceptions, and everything you want to see from Sam Darnold as far as progressing from year to year. We've kind of seen from Josh Allen from year one to year two to year three and so on as he seems yeah. to, to be getting better and better as a quarterback as this Bills team has gotten better around him. But you look at the Jets specifically, Connor Pierre-Desir was brought in to, to be kind of a, a stabilizing force on the outside. Two penalties. He ended up getting benched later in this game. He was more like the 2019 version. Mm-hmm. We thought we were going to get the older version of Pierre-Desir here with the Jets. Yeah, I don't know if he's healthy. Like yeah. that's kind of like if you think about it, like Pierre Desir missed all of training camp except for two practices. And then he had Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to practice with the starting defense, and then he started against a really good receiving core with John Brown, um, Stephon Diggs, and uh, Cole Beasley in the slot. That's a tall task, and I, I, I'm not ready to write off like Pierre Desir. I'm not going to say like, oh, Pierre Desir stinks. Like I don't think that. I don't think Pierre Desir stinks. I just don't know if he was necessarily ready to go from hamstring injury that plagued him in 2019, hamstring injury that sidelined him basically all of training camp. Boom, starting week one, like that to me seemed a little bold. And I think I like Pierre Desir is going to like. It's not like he struggled in the way that Nate Harrison did against the Giants, which led to him getting best benched and bless Austin, who had a hell of a game on, on uh, yesterday. Bless Austin played really, really well. Um, him getting benched and bless Austin taking over. Like, I don't, I'm not really ready to say like he's totally done and he's never going to start for the Jets again. I just don't necessarily know if he's hundred percent healthy. And that's something I'm going to actually, I've written down to ask Ace on this conference call. We have coming up in a, in a couple hours um, is to ask him like, are you concerned that just Desir is not not 100% yet? He's got to get 100% that you can put him back in there. Give him a couple more weeks con- to condition, something like that. Um, that was, I think, more of the the Pierre Desir uh, concern, for my opinion, which is I don't know if he's all 100% there because 
a lot of this secondary, man, like when we were saying, I think they could be good. I think it could be average. I think it could be solid. A lot of that was predicated on Pierre Desir, Bless Austin, Brian Poole, and then the two guys, McDougal and May, back deep. Like they, them being a solid foundation. Not going to be great. No Jalen Ramsey, but they can be solid. Uh, if Desir is off and you got to start starting Nate Harrison or Arthur Mallette, I mean, that's not good, man, because those two guys are, are not good players. They're not good. Quentin Williams, meanwhile, uh, three tackles. He played. He, he did. Played. He did. In fact, he I saw a penalty. Hit the, hit the quarterback once, two penalties, and a bad offside that gave the Bills a first down. Uh, this was exactly the Quentin Williams that we got used to last year, not the guy that was speaking boldly uh, in training camp. And it, it just seems like starting to get to that point where Quentin Williams is what he is. Uh, yeah, it's, it is. I mean, again, it's very similar to Don. You're not writing a guy off after, after the first week of the season. Like you're, you're not going right. to do that. Um, we're not doing that obviously, but I said all of, and this is like the same thing. We're screaming from the top of the tower with people throwing tomatoes at you about like what we were saying about Le'Veon Bell and Frank Gore and how Frank Gore is more productive. Kind of been saying the same thing about Quinton Williams. Like that dude talked a good game. The first time we met him on, on zoom, like he was I'm ready to be a, I think he said it, he's ready to be a monster and a dog and he's ready to be the player the Jets are going to draft him to be. And he's, you know, physically fit. He's ready for a huge year. He's going to be an impact. He's no longer thinking he's just doing like the dude, like you thought he was like Aaron Donald 2.0. Like he was ready to rock and roll. And then like the practices start and padded practices start. And like I said, there were three plays he made all of practice that I remember two tackles for a loss, one on bell, one on Gore. And he sacked Sam Darnold once. And it was a play where no one was open. So those are the only three plays where I can say, I saw Quinnen here. Like, that's it. That's all I got. And so I was like, you know what? It's practice. It's condensed practice. A lot of the drills Jets did were scripted. None of it is like, which another on weird training camp philosophy is the fact they'd never drive the ball. It's all scripted practices, which again, doesn't make any sense to me, but maybe they know more than I do. But then you watch what the offense looks like and maybe they don't. Um, <laughs> but they, um, uh, like, I, I thought like maybe he's just a, like a gamer. Like, okay, he'll make an impact in the game. Game starts, man. Where the hell is Quentin Williams? Like one of his tackles, he has a tackle for loss. No, that was Jordan Jenkins. Jordan yeah. Jenkins basically like mugged Moss. He barely skipped through. And then Quentin Williams is like bear hug time and brought him down to the ground. Like that's all that happens. He lines up off sides and gives a first down. The roughing the passer penalty gives him a free 15. Like what the hell? I know the bill again, the bills have a decent offensive line. It's not gonna be easy, but like, this guy was the number three pick in the draft. Number three pick in the draft. He's supposed to be a game-wrecking, game-changing force. And I don't see it. I didn't see it in training camp. I didn't see it his rookie year. I didn't see it in the opener against the Bills. The one thing the Jets don't have, and they have, I think they have the pieces to be an okay, solid defense. They have a chance to be an above-average defense if they can have a game-changer somewhere. And I know people are going to say, oh, Marcus May, Marcus May. We'll talk about him in a second. I still don't see a safety as ever being a game-changing force on defense. You need a lockdown corner. You need a, a game-changing linebacker. You need a, a dominant uh, interior defender that is going to Aaron Donald-like, J.J. Watt-like rec games. The Jets defense doesn't have that. Quinnen Williams should be that. He was the number three pick in the draft. But, like, you watch him play, and you forget he's there. And when he's in year two, and Greg Williams is still rotating him, he's not even on the field every play. Like, he's in a rotation. There was one time the Jets took him off for Nathan Shepard. Nathan Shepard comes in as a tackle for loss and then bats down a pass. You know what I mean? So it's like it's just – I he, that was – aside from Darnold, 
Quinnen was probably the most disappointing one because it's like you just want to see something. And you're now in year two, and you're still not seeing anything. And he's making no legitimate impact. He's making no game-changing plays. And it's like, what the hell? Like, you, you want to see more, and you're not. And it's, I don't... You know who did make an impact yesterday? Ja'Kai Polite. Anyone <laughs> notice that yesterday? I spit out my beer when I heard that. I was like, I was, I, we went to um, Gabriel's Gate, Andy and I, who covers the Jets for the record, having a few beers watching Cowboys, uh, Cowboys Rams and uh, having wings. French onion soup, by the way. F you, Michael Dunn. Really good French onion soup. And then wings. Um, we had, uh, um, <laughs> uh, we were watching the game and like late in the game, Andy made a comment like, wait a minute. Isn't Ja'Kai polite on the Rams? I was like, oh, yeah, I wonder if he's playing. And I seriously, like, as I said, I wonder if he's playing, was late in the game where he came through and he had the pressure on Dak, nearly had a sack, like, literally bolted into the backfield, nearly had a sack. Prescott just ran out and then made an errant throw. And I literally almost spit out my beer, as, and I think I might have dribbled a little bit, as Chris Collingsworth starts talking about Ja'Kai polite making a great play. And I'm like, holy crap and the first thing i do is i go on twitter to tweet it out and i see two tweet two tweets from somebody which i'm glad has kept on and it's still happening it's just hashtag mccagnan new and i was like there we go so you know what? maybe mccagnan got at least one of those picks right where he, he screwed up the uh quinn and williams one but he got jakai he hit jakai on that it was a good day for some former jets yesterday robbie yeah jamal anderson. adams yeah robbie, robbie anderson 75 yard yeah yeah jamal had a good day yeah yeah the jakai one took cake though Seeing Ja'Kai not only play in an NFL game, but nearly have a sack in like a crucial moment in the fourth quarter, I was like, whew. And how about Alden Smith? I mean, we'll get back to the Jets in a second, but how about Alden Smith? I saw he had like four or five tackles in a sack too for the Cowboys after basically coming out of the schlubs of everyone's gone and like he's not even playing anymore and all of a sudden comes out, has a sack. Alden Smith was nasty, man. That guy could have just stayed out of legal trouble. He, I mean, he was dirty with the 49ers and it looks like he didn't miss too much of a step because he had an impact there with the Cowboys. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jamal Adams, we mentioned, played great in Seattle, but the guy who's replacing him in that role with the Jets also played great. Marcus May was by far the the silver lining in this terrible loss for the Jets. Ten tackles, two sacks. He was all over the field. Um, he really kind of looked like just what Jamal Adams did while we were used to seeing that from him. So um, I guess the injury concerns are behind him. Marcus May played great, Connor, but you said it, a safety can only do so much in a defense. So as good as he played, it wasn't enough to to really slow down this Bills offense. Yeah, I mean, the Jets had their other issues, and most of it was in the passing game. A lot of it was field position. I think uh, Brian Costello just tweeted that because I saw Kim Jones make reference to it. Uh, Bills' average starting field position was the 40-yard line. Like, that's not good. And the Jets was like 21. So, like, they they never flipped the field position, and, and that was bad. And the defense was always – Trying to defend a short field, but what you saw for May, I mean, what was the final stat line? It was like 10 tackles, two sacks, yep. I think a two or three pass breakups and a forced fumble. He was against the Bills what we saw him, and he almost had a third sack. Like, he missed Josh Allen on one, so he almost had three sacks. He was against the Bills what we saw all of summer, and and he was the guy that, that took over for Jamal Adams and then literally just filled the role and filled the role admirably. And it was awesome to see him have that game. It was awesome to see him receive the praise that he's been kind of three years due. And then it was really cool to see the way his teammates finally, well, not finally, the way his teammates outwardly respect him with having that captain patch on. Because 
I remember talking to, I wrote a big feature on, on Marcus last year about how he's the silent leader. And he's the one that every single person in that locker room respects. Every single one in that locker room looks up to every single one in that locker room, um, looks to as the guy that does it the right way, despite the fact he doesn't have to go rah, rah, scream and yell like Jamal would. And, and that he was the guy that when he did choose to speak, everyone listened. And for him to finally get out from Jamal's shadow, get that captain patch, and then have that game against the Bills like he did, it was awesome to see. And, and I, I, I hope that the Jets reward him soon with a contract because I think that he is the player more than Jamal Adams that you want on your team for a considerable amount of time. And what I mean by that is, is Jamal's, I think, a better player than Marcus May is. And I know people are going to be like, oh, look at the stat line. Like, jokes aside, like, Jamal is a better player than Marcus May. He is. He's just more athletically gifted. But Jamal Adams is also very phony. And and players see through it. it it's it's kind of reminds me a little bit of, like, when Brandon Marshall would try to step up as a leader and talk and scream and yell. And in 2016, Sheldon Richardson almost went over and, like, clocked him in the face. Like, dude, just shut up. Like, eventually, when you have somebody that is just constantly talking – it wears you down and they're you just are done with them and it wears you down and it beats you down. And it's just like, you don't want to hear the guy scream and yell. Like when you have Jamal Adams in training camp, all he's doing is screaming and all he's doing is screaming. There was one time last year where he like pretended not to know who bless Austin was. And it's like, dude, just stop. He's been here for like two months. Like you're not funny. It's like, no one finds this funny. Like you're trying to do what you think somebody in your position should be doing. And it's like, just stop. It's not like, like, it's just not, it's not, the joke's not working. Like move on. And it's, it, I, I think that as good as he was, he was fun. That's why you had some, like I talked to some people that said like, you listen to him with one ear. You listen to Jamal with one ear where you heard it, but it also kind of just went out and you also ignored it. And you went on, you were doing your own thing. May is the guy that you give the extension to. He's the guy you keep on this team for the next 10 years because, well, not 10, cause he's like 28 years old. So he's not gonna play till he's 40, but for the next five years, because you look at him and you're like, he's the guy that's going to set the perfect example. He's the guy that when he speaks, everyone's going to listen. And now you know he's the guy that when he's on the field, dude's going to make an impact. I mean, he was a huge impact. Now, the big thing with May is exactly what you said, Tim, and it's that he just needs to now stay healthy because he's dealt with injuries throughout his career. He dealt with an injury his senior year at Florida. And now even heading in here, he had the calf issue and the ankle ailment. So, so Marcus has to stay healthy. But if he can play the vast majority of this season, a full 16 game season this year after basically playing a full or playing a full 16 game season last year, I think that'll be enough for the jets to say, yeah, we're, we're, we're comfortable committing a, a sizable amount of money to you. And, and we're comfortable uh, keeping you around here with a, a big money contract, because I think he showed he deserved it yesterday. And it's just a matter of him showing he can stay on the field to really warrant the jets actually handing it over. Yeah. He was the one guy that really jumped off the TV screen as, as far and as bless. positive. Yeah. Bless Austin too. And bless Austin yeah. had a really good game. Yeah, Bless played really well. All right, so we've spent the last hour um, talking about all the bad things that happened in week one for this Jets team. So when you look ahead to week two and the 49ers at home at MetLife Stadium, what if you had to pick one thing, Connor, from all these bad things, one thing that needs to improve for the 49er game, what is it? Yeah, Braden Mann's hang time. <laughs> the well, you know what? He's gonna get. He's gonna get a lot. No, of you practice. can't. You can't go like the offense <laughs> or the defense. Like yeah, one Braden thing. One up. thing in the offense. Come on, Connor. And I didn't Give think, I didn't think Thomas Hennessy's snaps spiraled enough. No, it's the offense. It's it's Sam Darnold needs to be better. The Jets. The Jets roster is not good. The Jets hope of legitimately competing this year, and the Jets hope of of 
not for Super Bowl, like competing for like a potential playoff spot, one of those third wildcard teams competing in games, even if they only win six or seven of them. Their hope is that Sam Darnold becomes the player that can elevate those around him, and that Sam Darnold becomes the quarterback that the Jets win games because Sam Darnold's under center. The Jets had a chance to win that game yesterday if Sam Darnold played a really good game. They could have won if Sam Darnold played a really, really good game. Sam Darnold did not, and the Jets lost, and the game was never as close as the scoreboard indicated. If the Jets want to have any hope next week against the 49ers, they need to be at a point where Sam Darnold plays a game where he wills his team, where you say, man, the Jets have no business being in this game right now, but they are because Sam Darnold is playing his ass off. I go back to like uh, the the game, the Giants' uh, second AFC Championship game against the San Francisco 49ers, the game where the 49ers basically beat the ever-living snot out of Eli Manning, and they were hitting him and beating him and pounding him into the ground. The Giants had no business being in that game at Candlestick Park, but they were because Eli put the team on his back and Eli carried him to a win. Sam needs to do that against the 49ers. Sam needs to have his Deshaun Watson game. Like when Deshaun Watson led him back against the Saints last year, he needs to have his Pat Mahomes game. He needs to have his game where he plays lights out, where he's making throws in the tiniest of windows because he's not going to have crazy separation with these receivers. He needs to have a game that gives optimism that he can be a franchise quarterback. He did not do that against the Bills, and the Jets lost because of it. There were other reasons the Jets lost, but Sam Darnold was a reason the Jets lost. He needs to be the reason the Jets win. He can't be another one of the problems. He can't be another one of the issues. He can't be another one of the things that struggles. He needs to be the one shining hope, where even if the Jets lose, you can say, man, they didn't lose that game because of Sam Darnold. He can't be another problem. He needs to be a solution. That's the number one thing that this team needs to turn around for, for that game against the 49ers. Offense needs to be better. Line can be better. Playmakers need to be better. Gase needs to be a hell of a lot better. Defense needs to stop breaking down at inopportune times. The penalties need to go away. But number one on that list is Sam Darnold needs to be better. All right, and we'll get you more ready for that 49ers game later this week. We'll be back with our second episode of the week, Thursday or Friday. So come back and check that out. If you or a friend needs a subscription to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash the can't wait podcast. Right now you can join The Athletic for just $1 per month, $1 per month at theathletic.com slash the can't wait podcast. Uh, If you haven't already, please give us a rating and review on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast. That really helps us out as we try to build this thing up a little more. And um, if you don't, follow us on Twitter. Connor's at Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. I'm at Tim at McMaster. Marissa's at Marissa underscore Morris. Thanks for tuning in to the Can't Wait Podcast.